baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. So imagine you're watching the news, you see war break out, horrific atrocities, innocent civilians being murdered, raped, tortured, and you say to yourself, I am going to go there and help. Wow. I don't know that I would have done the same thing, but our next guest in studio did exactly that. Jerry Ribnick from St. Louis Park is joining us now in studio. He had just got back from a trip to Israel, which he blogged about on his blog, and also just went to volunteer his time, his energy, and his assistance. Jerry, so glad to have you in the studio today. Thank you, Jordana. Okay, so talk to me a little bit about that. Why did you decide... This is a war zone, the worst atrocity since the Holocaust just happened here. I'm going to go. So, and I, and I hope I'm coherent because I'm <laughs> kind of jet lagged here. I get that. But um, my wife and I both got tired of just watching the news, reading the, the, the news, seeing things on TV that were just heart wrenching and on both sides. And we just said, we've got the time, we're privileged that we have the ability to go there. And so we did, and we went there, and we just wanted to help do whatever we could to fill in for the people that are at war or the people that are no longer allowed in the country to help. So that's what we did. That, that's – I think a lot of people have that thought and to have the ability to do that. But then once you get there, I, I would imagine that it could be overwhelming. It's like who, who do I talk to about what to do? I'd imagine there's so many things you could do to help. I get, once you get there – I, was that planned out for you? How, how did you find the best way for you and your wife to do the help you wanted to do? So I will say that was probably what gave me the most stress in advance of the trip. Not going to a war zone, not going to Israel. We've been to Israel many times before. We've got some language skills, so our Hebrew is passable. Most people in Israel, their English is better than my passable Hebrew. But... Um, I started before making a lot of contacts with anybody I knew, friends in Israel, people here in the States that had contacts, to see if we could find places where we would be able to volunteer. And what happened is we were just flooded with opportunities to volunteer. And and that became stressful because we didn't know where we would be staying. We didn't know exactly what we were going to do or where we would do it. Mm -hmm. And that in itself became difficult. Once we got there, it all just fell together. And people were so appreciative. I can't tell you what really was the one of the highlights for us of the trip was how many people came up and thanked us for showing support, for coming, for risking whatever it was that we were risking and coming to Israel to be there. It was amazing. It was really just heartwarming. One of our goals was to actually spend some money there to help the economy because it's so impacted from the war. And we would go and merchants would say, no. I won't take your money. Here's a gift from us. Wow. That's how much they, yeah. So what incredible. did you do there? What kind of volunteering? So we did a couple things. We, we did agricultural work, um, more agricultural work than I've ever done in my life. Uh, we took like and we, farming? Farming. We mm-hmm. actually, I didn't know this, but strawberry plants have to be pruned mm. so that the wow. shoots don't take too much of the energy and the energy can go into the fruit, I guess. We cleaned onions. That was fun. 
we um, packed food for people that were either displaced. You know, what people don't know is there's 250,000 approximately people in Israel that have moved from the war zones, either from the south by Gaza or from the north where Hezbollah is sending missiles every day. Mm -hmm. So they packed up with no warning. They didn't bring their food. They didn't bring their medicine. They didn't bring their computers. They have nothing. And so we went to a pantry that packed fruit, mm -hmm. food for them. We also um, worked in a factory down in Ashkelon, which is right on the border with Gaza. Um, it was a modern, like anything you would see here in America, you can you know, laser cutting and everything. They made doors and windows, and we just did some manual labor there. Hmm. Tell us about who you knew there. Were you impacted, and did you know, do you know, anybody who's been taken hostage? So I'll answer the first part first and then the second part. We, we have a number of friends that live in Israel. We stayed, uh, when we first got there, we stayed with some very close friends of ours that we've known for many, many years. Um, they have two sons that are both called up in the military. One spent uh, 21 days in Gaza, and the parents couldn't communicate with him at all. They had no idea if he was alive or not, um, where he was, what he was doing. We were privileged to be there when he surprised them and came home for, for Shabbat, which is the Jewish Sabbath, starts Friday night and Saturday night. Um, he got about a 36-hour leave and he came home. I can't describe to you how happy the parents were and the family was when he arrived. And I can't tell you how torn it was seeing him leave Sunday night to go back. Um, I, I was in tears. I didn't want him to see me because I'm not, I'm there to support him, not him to support me. Mm -hmm. But it, it was, it was really just gut wrenching. Mm -hmm. um, we also spent some time in Jerusalem with some good friends of ours who are coordinating the, uh, the effort to keep um, Hirsch Goldberg Poland's name in the news. He's a hostage that was in at the at the Nova Festival, the the concert. He was in a shelter with a twenty plus other people, and Hamas terrorists were throwing grenades in there. He was throwing them back out before they could explode. Lost his arm, oh, and was really a hero in saving many people. But he ended up being a hostage, and the family has heard nothing. And the Red Cross has not visited them. They've, that was part of, by the way. That was part of the truce deal is that the Red Cross was supposed to be able to visit the hostages, and Hamas just said no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're talking to Jerry Ribnick. Uh, he and along with his wife went to Israel <clears throat> on a volunteer mission. I was going to ask you about that, about the people you know who had family members, who have family members, who are hostages, and this pause happens, and we have some hostages being released, and I cannot imagine, A, the elation of the family members whose loved ones are released, but just the the pain and the anguish of those who don't have that information. And then, you know, hostages are released and, and they realize their loved one isn't among them. I, I, did you see some of that and were able to experience what those family members were experiencing? My sense is that the country is really torn. They want every hostage released right now. There's no excuse for them being hostages and they should be released. At the same time, they know that pausing the war really only benefits Hamas. And so they're torn. I was with uh, one of the other things we did when we were there is we, we served at a barbecue for the troops right on the border of Gaza. And I was talking to someone and his friend said, well, did you tell him your situation? No. And so he started talking to me. 
he had th- three families me- members released within the last day and a half. Wow. And yet he was saying, I don't know if this is a good idea. In other words, giving the pause, which allows Hamas to rearm, he himself wasn't sure even though he had three family members released. Because they understand that Hamas needs to be gone. They need, Israel needs to do whatever it can to remove Hamas from power. Israel will never be the same if Hamas is still there. And I think actually the citizens of Gaza need Hamas to be gone. I mean, yeah. what, yes, they what, do. People, yes. what people don't realize is that when, the, when Israel was warning civilians to get out of the way, they dropped leaflets. They made text messages to people. They opened corridors. And Hamas was shooting the people that were trying to escape because they value them as human shields. They value them as, as potential martyrs so that people can see how many casualties are mm-hmm. – you know, being uh, inflicted on on uh, citizens of Gaza. It's it's just a horrible situation. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Can I ask you about that, Jerry? Because we, I think we have a lot of listeners and we get texts from people who certainly by no means are supporting Hamas or think that somehow they were justified in what they did. That violence that they committed on October 7th, grotesque, disgusting, but at the same time, I think they feel for the people that you just mentioned who are in Gaza and are no have no part of that. They don't want to see them die either. And you said when you went over there, too, you feel that for both sides uh, of that conflict and people in Israel, I think I don't think we hear enough about people in Israel who also feel sympathetic to those folks. Ha- again, separating completely uh, from Hamas. Yeah, and I think that's very true. The the people in Israel didn't want this war. No, you know th- there was a ceasefire on October sixth. Israel didn't violate it. Hamas did, and the people of Israel were were. There was something that they, they call it their conceptia, their conception. The idea was that if they supplied electricity, if they supplied water, if they supplied jobs to the people of Gaza, that we could build a relationship with those people and ultimately live in peace. But what happened is Hamas violated that. They said, no, we don't want to live in peace. We want from the river to the sea. We want everybody to be gone. And the people in Israel are really hurting because – they were trying to establish these bridges to the Palestinian people, and now that's shattered. Jerry Rubnick, uh, we're talking to from St. Louis Park, just back from a humanitarian volunteer trip to Israel. Jerry, I have a, a, a few more questions. Jerry um, and his wife got to witness that horrific 43-minute video that has been released from Hamas's GoPros when they were committing the atrocities. I will ask him about that next. 1049, uh, that is your Lindis Construction time check. Time to invest in Infinity for Marvin. Windows receive 75% off installation labor. I know I'm good. Joining us in studio is Jerry Ribnick, St. Louis Park man who, uh, with his wife, went over to Israel 
to volunteer uh, during this war just to see if they could help out. Jerry, thanks for hanging with us through the break. No problem. I know you bared witness. You got to see this 47-minute video that was shot by Hamas terrorists that has now been shown to many Congress people, lots of world leaders. Also, Elon Musk was there last week. He responded, of course, to this horrific video. Um, you got to see it. So can you share with us what was on the video? You know, I, I don't even know if I can really share with you because I think your listeners might be sickened. Um, I was. Uh, after 47 minutes of watching this video, I just needed time to center myself because it's horrific. It's things that you can't imagine other human beings would do to people. I mean, it's beheading of people while they're alive. It's shooting you know, parents in front of their children or children in front of their parents. It's mutilation of bodies. It's burning people. It, it, I, I don't know if I should be saying this on the air because I think you're going to lose viewers or listeners. It, it just is horrific. And what was galling is two things. One is the, the glee and the excitement, the self-satisfaction that the terrorists had in doing this, which was so appalling. And the, the second thing was the fact that they say they want to do this again. This is not a one-time thing. This was not by accident that they raped people and that they beheaded people. This was part of a concerted plan, and it, it was just unbelievably painful. Well, I'm, sorry that- I'm sorry that you have to watch that, and I, I, I don't know that I could watch it. So thank you for sharing, and um, I'm sorry that it even exists. Well, and my wife didn't watch it. I mean, yeah. it was just too horrific. Right. Elon Musk had a very similar response to you. He said the jubilation at which these terrorists committed these horrific acts against fellow human beings and how proud they were of themselves and how excited they were to murder Jews was w- one of the, his great takeaways from this because it was we, – we in the West, we um, can't imagine – being happy at somebody's murder or being happy at somebody's rape. And that is what we're fighting. That is what the West is fighting. And not just Jewish people. Israel is in the fight right now. But I think in the West, we have to understand it's a completely different mentality uh, that we want that Israel is doing the hard work of eliminating. You know, even, excuse me, even the Nazis were embarrassed, or at least didn't want to publicize what they were doing. And they kept it kind of quiet. These people had GoPros, they had video cameras, they had cell phones recording it and wanted to show it to the world until they saw the back, backlash that the world had. Mm-hmm. And then they've kind of, kind of silenced that. But they thought this was going to be a great day for humanity. And in fact, it's, it's just unadulterated evil. So forgive me, Jerry, because I don't know if you can answer this, but I mean with that kind of evil in the world and even if – uh, Israel eliminates Hamas. I don't foresee that mindset disappearing anytime soon. How how do we get to a place where it does disappear? And again, obviously, that's a question that if you know the answer to that. I, I don't know I, the answer, but I know the feeling that I heard from people in Israel was that's what was so sickeningly sad that Israel, with, with plenty of mistakes, and, and we read about all the mistakes Israel makes <laughs> you know, every day, but with all the mistakes, they thought that they were trying to reach out and build a, a bridge to the Palestinians so that someday a two-state solution would be possible. And this was just a, 
wake-up call that there's people out there that would rather kill, would rather kill their own people than live side-by-side with Jews. It's very painful. Jerry, you were there for about 10 days. Um, You just got back. Is there anything we didn't ask you, anything else you want to share with our listeners? I think just that the mood of the country is is anguish and determination. Anguish that this could have ever happened, that their security system, their army, their government could have allowed this to happen. Yeah, those are serious, serious, uh, serious security failures. questions about oh, mm-hmm. what happened. Absolutely serious failures. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like we went, you know, after 9-11, we had a commission of inquiry, or Israel did in mm-hmm. 73 after the Yom Kippur War. There will be a commission of inquiry, and there's no doubt in my mind heads will roll. Mm-hmm. So there's there's tremendous anguish over this unnecessary killing on both sides. Uh, remember, Gold Mayer once had a quote, we can forgive you for killing our sons, but we'll never forgive you for making us kill yours. Mm-hmm. People don't want to be doing this in Israel. No. Um, on the other hand, there's a determination. There is a spirit in Israel that I've never seen in this country or anywhere else where people – I was working alongside in the factory with a – Ph.D. in microbiology who was volunteering his time because he didn't have students to teach and came down. On the farms, everybody is there. It's just incredible. When when someone, one of these displaced families needs a stroller, all of a sudden there's 25 strollers that show up at their door or they need laundry done or they need whatever. It just happens because the people of Israel are united in saying we need to get the hostages home. And we need to get rid of Hamas so that we and the Gazans can have a much better future. The people that you talk to, especially the ones who have family members who are still held hostage, how closely do you remain in contact with them? So I just got home, mm-hmm. you know, a yeah. night or so ago. Um, <laughs> still a little jet lag, but I actually been what's they use WhatsApp there much more than yes. text messages, <laughs> and my WhatsApp is still dinging every mm-hmm. couple minutes. Um, I'm still in constant contact with them. I, I wish I could do more. They just so appreciated the support, the fact that we picked up and left and came to just do manual labor, which I probably would never do here. <laughs> um, I can't tell you how, how wonderful that made me feel and my wife both just so appreciate it. Well, Jerry, it is inspiring. Thank you for going. I think you embodied what so many of us, me as an American Jew, feel like we wish we could help more. We feel helpless. Uh, thank you for actually doing it. And uh, we appreciate your time here today. Thank you so much. Well, Thanks, thank you guys so much. You got it. Jerry um, Ribnick, Ribnick. Uh, in, uh, for the last half hour. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.